I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Folks, uh, this is very exciting for us. Um, First of all, thanks for tuning in. We're excited to give you a very fun conversation that we had a number of weeks back with a couple of docs from around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, But what's more exciting than that, this episode right here marks our 500th episode. Which is super crazy, but um, you know, you just said that this is really exciting, but I want to apologize personally to anybody who's just started listening to the show because um, unfortunately for you, there's a massive back catalog of episodes you're going to have to catch yeah. up on. That's one of my favorite things about getting into a podcast that's been you know, doing, doing its thing for a minute. Same. <laughs> Same. Yeah, because I love it. And I go, sweet. Now I have so many days. Yeah. See, my, my obsessive compulsiveness is like, I have to complete all of this. Oof. And this now feels like a really yeah. big task. Well, if you're you know com- what you should do, though, you should go, that's irrational. Yeah. And tell it to fuck off. Uh, yeah, I should talk to my therapist about that. Though. If, I'm sure there's some underlying reason why I think that way. If you're a completionist, uh, just know that uh, this is the 500th episode. And uh, we just want to say, if you've been listening since episode one, and you've devoured all 500, or this is your very first one, and you're starting here, and I'm going to go backwards from here. Uh, thank you. Thank you for your support. Thanks for listening. Thanks for the ratings and the reviews. Thanks for the letters you've sent in. Thanks for chatting with us on Discord. Uh, thanks to our patrons. Thanks to everyone who's made this this possible. Um, it really is wild to think that we've been doing this for almost six years and that this is our 500th episode. And the fact that this conversation, uh, all about condoms, is our 500th. I wouldn't have it any other way. I fucking love this conversation. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. And uh, and let's uh, let's go for another 500. Thanks, guys. So this is, uh, this is going to be really fun. We are uh, joined by uh, two lovely people from two completely different parts of the planet. Um, Dr. Joanne Tang, a uh, soon-to-be oncologist, a registrar oncologist, or oncologist registrar. And then uh, Mr. Dr. John Tang, OBGYN, all the way from Malaysia. And uh, Joanne is in Australia. And we're here in Halifax. This is and, crazy. And, and and what are we doing? Speaking to uh, uh, like the power family duo, uh, the Tang family doctors. Well, we're going to be talking about a product called Wonderleaf, which, um, well, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to, I don't want to botch this. So I'm going to leave this to you, John, to give us the intro into what Wonderleaf is, because um, this is something that I stumbled across uh, through a Vice article and I'm not sure if there's a lot of people here in Canada that, that are aware of the product that you are, are behind. 
But I think that uh, I, I'm really excited for people to hear about about this product and what it's all about. So why don't you give us a little intro into uh, who you are and and what Wonderleaf is all about? Right. Thank you very much, Tyler. Um, and good morning, everybody. Um, uh, my name is Dr. John Tan. I'm a, a OBGYN, as uh, introduced just now. Um, what I'd like to talk about is Wonderleaf unisex condom. Um, Wonderleaf uh, it's just a name, but the condom itself is unisex. You probably haven't heard of a unisex condom no, before. I most no. certainly haven't. I, I don't think I don't think anybody that's listening has either. It's it, something that I think makes everyone go, excuse I'm me. Sorry. <laughs> everyone sits up a little taller. How? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I, I was I was immediately just like, how is this possible? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, sorry. yeah. We look at it. Yeah. I mean, traditional condom, when you talk about condom, it's only for men. Mm-hmm. And then we have female condom. And uh, female condom is for women. But unisex condom is completely different. It's meant for men and women. So, um, I mean, if you look at condom, condom is just a bag. It's like a pouch. So the differences between the three of them is the way you make it stay on the organ. Mm. All right? Um, So the condom, the standard condom, actually uh, relies on elastic constriction on the penis to make it stay on. And female condom relies on two rings, one ring on the outside and the other ring on the inside. Mm-hmm. It's the inside ring that actually expands and you know, and get it caught in, inside the vagina to make it stay in place. Mm-hmm. And the outer ring actually makes it expand in such a way that the, the, the tube is not occluded. Mm. But there's female condom. Unisex condom, uh, use adhesive to stick onto the growing area to make it stay on in place. Mm-hmm. So because the, the tube, the, the, the pouch itself can either be on the outside or on the inside, so you can just flip it along to make it into unisex. So that's what it is. So, I, so I can, I, I've seen photos of it through, <laughs> through several articles and, yes. and I can, I, when I look at the photos, I can wrap my head around um, I can wrap my head around how it would fix itself to a penis um, because it, it, it sort of looks like two sort of strips of adhesive that you would, you would kind of place around the shaft and, and, then, and then close together for it to, to you know, stick to the penis and stick to itself so that it's covering the entire, you know, the tip, the shaft, and even, even part of the pelvic area. That's right. But, but how does it, how does this work with a, with a vagina? Like, what is the, how do you, like, how do you get it on the inside of a vagina in order for it to be used? Use, all right, <laughs> to do it, actually, you use your finger to do it. Okay, you, okay, okay. You put it on the finger first. You flip it around, put it on the finger, insert your finger into the vagina. It's pretty much the same as putting on female condom. Got you. You put it in, and then you just peel off the uh, the the strips, the the releasing paper, and then you will stick onto the outside of the vagina. So the whole vulva area and the groin area, it depends on how you want to cut it. Right. The whole area can be protected. Mm-hmm. So there's I, an advantage there because of the bigger area of protection. I, I'm really curious. Maybe this is a dumb question to to ask, but I'm going to ask it anyway because it came into my head. But I'm, I'm wondering. We we talked about the the uh, condom for penises and the condom for vaginas. They both both exist. So uh, why 
what is the importance or what problem does the unisex condom solve and what and why the adhesive mechanism? Right. Um, yeah, it's, it's quite simple, isn't it? I mean, if you if you look at the wound, our 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 genital parts are actually pretty much like a wound. It's very easily damaged and it's very sensitive. If you want to um, place a, a if there's an open wound, you want to cover it up. The easiest thing is to put an adhesive patch over it. Mm-hmm. You don't use rubber band. You don't use other things because. If you put put a polyurethane dressing over it, it's, you can waterproof it, and that prevents all the infections from coming in. Same thing for uh, for condom as well. Um, I mean, if I mean, the problem with the condom is that it doesn't cover enough area. Number one, mm-hmm. so you it's still exposed to herpes and uh, genital warts and things mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and secondly, uh, penis is not reliable. I mean, well, I mean, in, in, in school, we've, we've been taught about how to use condom in sex classes. And typically the teacher will take out a big hard banana and put it on and see this is so easy, you can cover yourself, you're protected. But in reality, we all know that, you know, more than 90% of the time, our penis is micro and soft. Yeah, yeah, right. Not all bananas are hard bananas. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's right. Some, some bananas are soft, yeah. Yeah, but so in reality, when you when you talk about using condoms, you know, there's a lot of problems that you, you're going to face because penis itself is not reliable. You can't count on it to stay hard all the time, hard and beat all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So during the during the whole entire sexual uh, activity, um, you can see the 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 uh, penis you know, changing in size all the time, and mm-hmm. and and for that reason, you know, there's always a nagging sensation in you that you know is she going to get pregnant after the episode. Because they, 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 there'll be moments where condom become loose mm. and there'll be spirit and, uh, no. And I guess, I guess it also sort of removes like, uh, and uh, this is going to sound funny, but like, I actually mean it. Like it sort of, it removes, um, you like the, like ego, you know, from like the condom purchasing, uh, aspect, you know, someone goes out and goes, well, I, I, yeah, I got to get these like extra, extra L magnum condoms when really, you really don't. And actually those condoms are not going to fit you properly. And, and they're not going to work. And that's going to be a problem, right? So like you, you remove con because condoms come, come in so many different sizes. So you remove the, the risk of someone choosing a condom size that doesn't work. You also remove, um, it, it also, like, I feel like it would also provide some safety when it comes to things like, like, like pre-cum and, and, and post-cum, like, like, you know, I feel like once you have this condom on, that's like, a technical t- that's the technical term. Well, it is. Well, sure, it is. Yeah, I mean, I, I think pre-cum, pre-ejaculate. I mean, oh, fuck, I don't. Know. Yeah, John, John, what's the technical term? Is is it not pre-cum? Come on. <laughs> I can't. I couldn't find another word for it. Really. Yeah, yeah. You, so you know what I'm saying? Pre-cum, post-cum, totally. It's the same. You know, it's like it's an like erection. Yeah. Something that you cannot control. Yeah. Uh, you, you cannot say no, no. Come alive now. You can't. Yeah, you can't right. do that. Yeah. And, uh, is, is the post-cum is the same thing. Once you're stimulated, pre-cum comes out. And once you're post-cum, you know, after each creation, yeah. it will continue to drain for the next one hour. Yeah. And oh, whoa, you know, shit. Wow. Yeah, I have a, I have a big hour. problem with that, personally. Like, it, like not big problem. <laughs> I don't know if I call it it's a like, problem. Oh, wow, I appreciate you your... I don't know call it a problem, but like, <laughs> I, like, like 30 minutes later, I'm going, what's going what's on? Going on? Yeah, right, what's going yeah, on? I'm yeah. like watching TV now. Now, now to that... <laughs> I'm to, going, I'm, I, I just piss my pants. To that point then, let's say Taylor was going to use the one to leave. And um, 
uh, he's about to make coitus with his lovely partner, and um, they haven't they haven't even begun the foreplay. Is is the condom itself something that you can put on before the penis gets erect? Uh, if 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 Taylor a man is using it, um, or or do you have to be erect before you put it on? Because I I can imagine that that would also set it apart from something like a condom because. I feel like, man, I don't know. I've never tried to put a condom on a soft penis before, but I, I would imagine it's challenging, uh, challenging and also kind of ineffective. So I, the way this, it, it seems like it's the type of condom that could go on before you're even hard. Is that correct? Yeah. I think there's a whole purpose to say, uh, we want you to be protected right from the beginning before you call the Uber. The next time you call the Uber, the whole, whole, the whole entire period you're protected. And you can put it on during uh, at your own privacy, um, and which is great, you know. Um, and it doesn't really matter whether you're having pre-cum or having erection or not, or having post-cum. The whole whole process is is protected, and you right. do it in your own privacy and remove it. You put it on and remove it, you know, all yeah. in your privacy. Guys, I, I gotta a, see. Uh, I gotta see a picture. Do we have? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah look it up. I, it up. I looked it's, it up a little earlier. Um, is there a? Is there a? Um, I'm thinking, I'm wondering if there's like a social, like a, a, a social, if this is solving a, a bit of a social problem in the sense that I have, I have really personally only ever been exposed to condoms for, um, for a penis. Like I, I've never really had, I've never really, I've, I've never, I've never used a female condom with a partner. I've never, um, I've, I've, ne- I don't really know how how it works and and because of that and similar to i think uh, like an issue with that there is with contraception that it really swings one where it swings one way where you've got where the burden is like really commonly on the on the female to to be using contraception and 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 then um in terms of becoming pregnant not in terms of like transmitting um transmitting uh um, infections, infections. Um, but with, so, so that the, so that it's, it's sort of like my assumption or 99% of the time or 99.9% uh, of the time is that, that a, that the condom is for, that the condom is for a man to wear or someone with a penis to wear. Is this solving a bit of like a, a social problem in the sense that it is, a, it, it is something that might change that notion, that, that high probability that it's like one person's, um, one person's, I guess, responsibility, maybe for the lack of a better word, to be using a condom where, whereas now it's, it's really just like a 50, 50 toss up. You can take this one product and each of you could, each of you could use it. And it might kind of change the way that we view using protection during sex, like from a social perspective. Yeah. Um, I think Joy will, will agree with me on that. <laughs> um, no, the, by being unisex, you know, you, you're quite right in saying that it's now it's a 50-50 game. Both parties has been empowered to, to take control mm. of, uh, of the responsibility and, and uh, you know, to, to, to be protected, not just contraception, but as well as uh, sexually transmitted infections. Mm-hmm. Joanne, you, so the, the, again, this is, uh, John, you, you weren't alone in, in sort of coming up with uh, the product itself. Joanne, you, you've been involved in the process from the beginning, I, I take it? I, this product's been eight years in the making. It's, uh, oh, it's wow. probably actually longer than that. I think I recall when um, I was in my young teens when, when 
you know, dad was already thinking about this product. So it's certainly something that's sort of peripherally in the background, but I've never really got involved with until it started actually being developed as a product, like, it, it, you know, development started in it. Um, and that process really only started about eight years ago. I was kind of peripherally involved, but I've been more involved in the past few years in terms of the clinical trials and in terms of looking through those clinical trials and the sort of the marketing, the editing of the uh, of sort of the product of the documents that we put out and things like that. That's sort of where I've been involved with. Um, yeah, so it's it's been really interesting watching Wonderly grow and change. Um, I think, you know, with the clinical trials, that's been a particular area of where sort of I'm a little bit more involved. And I think that's mm -hmm. a particular area of interest because it's something that I don't think a lot of products put out, I guess, like sexual health products. Mm -hmm. no one, you don't, we don't really talk about clinical trials all that much. Mm -hmm. uh, but actually, it's an important part of medical device development. Um, and Wonderleaf, I think, is really unique in the sense that it, it's actually... One of the few, I mean, Condom never had a, uh, never had sort of big trials run on it before it became a commonly used thing. It predates a lot of the wow. FDA. Yeah, I mean, it, like con wow. I feel like condoms have been around for so long. Like I feel like it's it's sort of, it's sort of was Just, grandfathered in. <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah, yeah, that's, you know, that's very much true. So yeah. condoms predates FDA. Mm, uh, wow. I didn't know that. It, it was just part of that. And eventually FDA just put sort of rules in terms of how it needs to be produced. But in terms of an actual product itself, it's it sort of just grandfathered, it, grandfathered itself into our, our mm. social dynamic. Uh, but Wonderleaf obviously is different. It's a new product. It's a new cut. It's a, it's a new thing. So because it's in contact with mucous membranes and it's a sexual health product, it is considered a medical device. Mm -hmm. So it needs to it needed to jump through the standard hoops of all medical devices, which included clinical trials. Mm -hmm. um, is, and, it, is it hard yeah. to recruit? people for clinical trials yeah oh yeah i'm so curious to know like like <laughs> like what is that process like i'll sign i'll sign up for a like you know the actually the other day i signed up for a, a vaccine trial that was happening here in in halifax um or like you know i've done lots of like cystic fibrosis like clinical trials over the years uh but a like a condom trial i feel like that would be one where i would go hmm yeah. Do, I, do I want to? Do yeah. I want to just like put myself out there? Is this something that I want to take a possible gamble? <laughs> like, the risk of whatever might be the risk. You know, it's funny though. I, that I feel like that. Like some people might see the risks as being much more because you're putting it through a test. Scary because you're putting something to through a test that you know you know that there's something out there that can prevent you from, let's say, contracting uh, HPV, like or 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 um, or herpes or something. How do you present the, how do you present yeah, the trial yeah, like how to, does it work? To, to participants? Like what is the, like, what is the, yeah, how is it presented? What is the language that, and what are the things that people need to understand when they're entering into a clinical trial for, for, uh, for a medical device that's, you know, specifically for a sexual, um, for like sexual use? So to clarify a few things, I guess, just before we get into it, Wonderly, I've got a conflict of interest. With, with the trials involved, obviously. Right. So I wasn't directly involved with any of the trials. Wonderleaf as a company provided all of the product used. Like, so all of the products were, were provided for the trial. But in terms of recruitment, development of the protocol, data analysis, interpretation, publication, we had no input. 
Oh, so which is not, how it should be. Right. So right. you're not you're not involved with setting up the parameters of the study or of, of no. The trial, I, right. It would be very unethical and right. it would it'd be a complete conflict of interest if we were involved mm, in that right. way. Um, but what my role was mostly just looking at the results that came out, interpreting it, and just being really happy about it, and just mostly providing some moral excitement <laughs> around it. Um, <laughs> but in terms of actually, so. We, we do have access to the protocols, so we do get to read the, the full, you know, how, how it was developed and all of that, mm. but we just didn't have any input into changing any of it, if that kind right. of makes sense. Right, yeah. yeah. Um, and how these trials were presented, so, so what happens with trials is that you initially get these phase one trials, so these early phase trials. These were small pilot studies, uh, 50, pay, uh, 50 participants, and uh, Malaysia, so... Wanderleaf's developed in Cebu, Malaysia. So it's, it's developed in a relatively conservative society. Mm. Um, and I think the hope was we would actually try and get a trial done locally first. Uh, but after a few years, just recruitment was impossible. <laughs> right, <laughs> right, totally. <laughs> recruitment was, was very difficult. Um, and so actually, subsequently, it was at, uh, we met uh, Professor Mags Bezinska at the United Nations Conference. Um, and she's a professor of the University of Wiesbadenswand in uh, Africa, in um, Johannesburg. And she uh, is a professor in child and adolescent and maternal health. And she actually took the project on board. Um, so actually some of our phase, one of our phase one trial was done in Johannesburg and then subsequently our phase three data also came from Johannesburg as well. Um, in terms of how it was presented to the participants, um, we it was most we recruited females and their partners. Um, they had to be in a monogamous relationship, otherwise it just got really messy. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, trying to like figure out the because you need to recruit a population where you're looking at the efficacy, right? You're just looking if it works as a product. You know, are there any issues with the ad adhesive? Does it come off? Is there any slippage? Is there mm. any tearing? So the actual product itself, does it work? And what you don't, and you need to recruit a group of people who you can't ethically put through through the risk of STIs. Right, so yeah. that, it worked out that you had to have them in a monogamous relationship. Um, and they had to be okay with getting pregnant to a degree. Not right. that wouldn't be the goal here, <laughs> right? But that would be the practical consideration. Sure. There's always a small risk, of course, right? That was like the small, like there was like a small section <laughs> where it was like, please tick this box if you're yes. okay with yes, becoming yes. slightly pregnant. You're like, you need to be okay. Like, yeah. the goal here isn't to get pregnant, but the like we cannot rule out the possibility of getting pregnant, yeah, right? Because, sure. like, um, like, 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 uh, latex condoms are like 97 percent effective, right? Or maybe is that, that is, that, is that even like a, an overstatement? That's definitely no. I, I think that's an overstatement because it's ninety-seven percent with perfect use. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah perfect yeah. use means you put it on when there's a full erection. The erection doesn't go down. There's no slippage, no spillage. You don't put it on the wrong way and then flip around the right way again. You've got right. the right size on. That's perfect use. Um, and it's still ninety-seven percent. Right. Yeah. Wow. Real life data around condoms is actually in the high seventies to low eighties. Wow, that just much rocked my than people think. Much that just people think. that just rocked my world. <laughs> you, you dodged a lot of bullets, I tell you. Dude, so many. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. It, it it's interesting because like when you when you guys were saying before even asking that question, like wh who would want to sign up for that taking the risk of potentially getting pregnant? It's it it also makes it makes me think though like 
But you're taking you're that risk anytime. Right. You're taking that risk anytime using a, a standard latex condom. And this is an innovation to provide, hopefully, better protection. So, yes, of course, when you're taking a risk on a new innovative technology, there's a possibility that it might not work as effectively. Speak. But I would like to think that it, like being involved in that yeah. and it making it to that phase, that actually it's probably. What, uh, more what is the efficacy? Do, yeah. do you have a number on like the the efficacy of of Wonderleaf right now? It's tricky. Um, and like, what's the process of getting to that number? Oof. So pilot studies are usually small anyway. So we've got two pilot trials, and they showed safety. So mm-hmm. pilot studies every so it's a group of fifty women in both phase one trials, um, and that's really just saying does the product work there are no issues with it so that's always going to be by nature a small trial so that's 50 participants and we've had two of those phase one trials come out and that's talking about you know there was no issues with the spillage the tearing it was a safe product and this product worked in the sense that nothing no problems were flagged Mm -hmm. so that's your phase one and then we had a much bigger trial and this was a randomized crossover trial so um 220 women were recruited plus inevitably their partners. Um, And basically what happens with the randomized crossover is you take two groups of 110 each, you put them through, uh, and it was compared against a a control. So the control was actually the FC2, which is the most common female condom used. Um, And that's actually advocated by the World Health Organization. So FC2 was compared to Wanderleaf. And then after about, a period after a period of time they changed groups and then they used the other products so everyone mm-hmm. got fc2 and everyone got wonderleaf mm-hmm. and okay. um they looked at that we don't have efficacy in the same way you know we have uh these sort of 97 percent, 80 percent numbers for condoms because mm-hmm. you couldn't get you can't get that through ethics you can't say, right. give a bunch of people some condoms, uh, Wonderleaf condoms, and say, all right, go out and see how many people get pregnant, see how many people get STIs. Ooh. Like you Ooh. just, it would never fly with ethics. So is that is 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 a is the number that and just using I'm just using latex condoms just because it's the thing that I'm most familiar with. But you, if if you were to say like, how does a company like Trojan, for example, get their get their efficacy numbers for? You know, whether it's STI transmission or pregnancy rates, are they getting that because they've been around for so long and they're 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 getting real world data similar to the way that we get real world data now with like the COVID vaccines? Like we understand more about it because it's out in the world and we can study how it's reacting in real world circumstances. Exactly. Okay. Um, and and I think that's actually how Wonderleaf will inevitably have to get that sort of data through. Mm-hmm. Um, and also keep in mind, like a condom's been around for a long time. Ethics has the, eth- the ethical standard, I think, for trials has gone up in the past few decades, right, which is a right. very good thing. Definitely, we we like good ethics, um, <laughs> but it does make the barrier to developing some trials a little harder, um, which I don't think is necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, um, I but mean, what it, we it, have, it produces better products yeah. overall. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but yes, to to answer your question, yeah, that's that's very much the case with condoms. Um, but in terms of what we have been able to prove, so the the phase two three sort of data that we got, um, that showed that in terms of clinical failure rate. So when we talk clinical failure rate with condoms, we're talking about 
things that happen that shouldn't happen. Things like tearing, breakage, slippage. So the mm-hmm. thing slips off in vagination, in, F, in female condom, where that means the whole thing kind of goes in. Um, slippage means the whole thing comes out. Um, there is misdirection. So the penis kind of goes around it. Mm-hmm. Um, so the whole thing gets pushed aside. Um, so these are the things that shouldn't happen with a condom. So that's the clinical failure rate. Our clinical failure rate is about five times less than the FC2. Mm, wow. Um, and that, that's a clinical, it ended up being a clinically significant figure as yeah, well. Because okay. you would assume that that would then ultimately translate to a better, better results in, the, in real world circumstances with transmission mm-hmm. of sexually transmitted diseases and et cetera. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, I'm curious, um, you mentioned a couple of times that the, and I can think of probably a re- number of reasons why this is the case, but I wanted to ask you, when you're recruiting for the trials, uh, you mentioned recruiting uh, women and then subsequently their partners. Uh, why is it Why is it done that way? Is there a reason it, for that or is it just the... Yeah, approach? no, it was because of the comparison arm used. So okay. FC2 is, because at the moment, uh, apart from Wanderleaf being a unisex condom, I mean, Wanderleaf is completely unique that it's a unisex condom. In other, in, otherwise, it's male or female condoms, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and our comparator arm is the, was the FC2. Because of the nature of Wanderleaf, we have to actually compare it to male condom and then female condom as separate things mm-hmm. because it's a unisex condom. Oh. Um, so the nature of it worked out that the, the control arm chosen was a female condom because female condoms is a particular area that I think was of interest for us as a product. Um, female condoms, as, as, as I think Taylor mentioned, you guys, it's not a commonly, a, like most people aren't aware of female condoms yeah. in general. Yeah. Um, and I think that was something that Wanderleaf sought to try and fix. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was used a comparison arm. And by nature of that, it had to be females being recruited for right. people that together. Right. your favorite one-hit wonder or that overpriced toy your parents would never let you have or that tv show that no one else remembers because it was canceled way too soon now what if we could fix it i'm francesca ramsey and i'm delon grant and after 20 years of friendship we are now hosting a new nostalgia podcast called let me fix it each episode we'll dig into our favorite celebrities shows and brands of yesteryear and then imagine what it would take to repackage them for relevance today think of our show as an intervention but with way less stakes. So subscribe to Let Me Fix It wherever you get your favorite podcasts. John, I'm, I'm curious, um, for, for you, uh, uh, Joanne mentioned that this is something that uh, you've been working on for a number of years, almost, almost the last 10 years. What was it that inspired you to uh, develop Wonderleaf in the first place? Yeah, it's the uh, OBGYN, I think. Um... Day in, day out, I'm dealing with uh, people suffering from unintended pregnancies and sexually transmitted infections. Um, you know, uh, a lot of my patients, they come to my clinic, it's not because they are, they are, they are pregnant already. They are worried that they're pregnant. Mm-hmm. A lot of girls or women uh, came, came because their period was delayed and they're worried sick whether they're going to get pregnant or not. 
Mm-hmm. So, um, so I, I just feel that you know there are two segments of it. One is contraception, the other one is sexually transmitted infections. Um, you, we have to work out somewhere uh, something that you know that can prevent all this. Um, it, it's 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 painful and it's disastrous. They uh, to encounter all these problems, and you are at the receiving end trying to solve these problems for my for our patients. Um, I mean, I have so many patients breaking down in front of me begging me uh, to do something about it. Um, and this is happening day in, day out for me as an OBGYN. I think as far as I'm concerned, you know, unintended pregnancy is, is not a disease. It's, it's, it's not a disease that you know, for doctors to treat with medicine and surgery and things like that. But, but the consequence of uh, unintended pregnancy is, is just like a disease. You know? it's even, sometimes it's even worse than that. Mm-hmm. I, I cannot imagine a woman has to go through all this that you know they had to abandon the child. In Malaysia, there's such a thing called baby hatch, where if you want to abandon, if you want to give out your child, you can just put it in the in the hatch, and then somebody will come and pick it up uh, oh. every now and then. So yeah, why why do you have to resort to all these heartbreaking and desperate measures when if there is a possible means of um, you know preventing it? And there is something that is uh, that is acceptable, that is reversible, and that can be completely effective in the prevention of diseases and pregnancies. Um, and at the same time, it can be cheap. And no, so I think this is where I come from. Um, not dealing with all this problem, trying to solve the issues, and eventually I, I realized that you know I do a lot of vaginal examinations during my work, and I wear a pair of gloves whenever I'm doing that. And I almost never ever. Actually, never, <laughs> never use bare hand to do vaginal examinations, for example, um, because I'm I'm fearful of um, contamination and infections across, you know, across infections. Mm-hmm. So I mean, see when I when I cover my 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 hand with a glove, I'm not just covering fingers; I'm covering the whole entire hand. You see, so I think the effective ways of um, Protection will be covering up the whole growing area, you know, all the, the vagina and the in the in the growing area, so that all the vulnerable area are protected. And if, I mean, our hands and feet do not get infection. What I mean, no. So if we can, you can do the same thing for for the growing area, the vulnerable area. That, then we're potentially on the way to solve the problems. That that makes me wonder. Um, you saying that right now? Just just I just had this thought. Um, you know, it's, 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 I mean, such a like simple yet effective idea to cover the entire groin area because, you know, with a simple condom, that doesn't, that doesn't happen. So, so you're left, you're left um, vulnerable in that way. But how, how does, how does pubic hair play into this? Like, what, what, uh, is there like this, does pubic hair uh, provide a bit of a, um, a bit of a problem with, with the utilization of the condom itself, because like, I, you know, I know anything adhesing to my hair anywhere, pulling that off is, is a little bit of a, <laughs> a, a problem. Well, plus it's also not adhesing to your skin. Yeah, right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So it's like, not, right. Like the hair would be in the way of it actually like right. a, a, adhering to your skin. So it is, is there, does, have you, has, have you thought, have you thought about that or is that, a, does that pose a problem with the condom itself? Yeah, that's that's precisely the the reason why it took so many years for me to come up with the idea uh, mm. to to make it practical. The 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 whole idea is about relative uh, adhesiveness. 
the reason why you supply on and it's painful for removal is because it's too sticky. Yeah, right, right. So one delete doesn't need to be sticky. As long as it can stay in place, it's good enough. Okay, okay. So to strike the balance, we, we, I mean, it took me so many years to come up with the balance. To, yeah, to come with the right formulation, right adhesiveness, so that when you use it, it doesn't, it's not painful for, for you to remove it. Yeah, it's not like ripping a, a, a batch of duct tape off your, off your junk. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so that part, another, yeah. another thing you have to realize that if you just put one day on and you, you, you peel it off straight away, it would be painful. Mm. But you have to understand that when people have sexual activities, they perspire. Yes. By, right. by stretching, actually, actually, it lifts the, 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 the uh, no, it decreases the adhesiveness mm -hmm. a little bit. Uh -huh, that's so, <laughs> so, so we, that's why during the clinical trial, that this particular question was asked to the, um, to the participants, you know, see, do we have any problem with the stickiness? Right. And uh, surprisingly, overwhelming, they, they, no, they, they don't have this problem. Yeah. Mm -hmm. one, of the, one of the other things that I thought about in this conversation that, that, I felt like um, this condom also could provide, um, you know, another layer of protection uh, is, and this is something we've talked about on the show before, um, something that's kind of like come out in the, in the general discourse uh, surrounding sexual health and, and, and um, uh, sort of sexual uh, consent is this notion of stealthing. Which is, um, you know, here in here in Canada, um, and in, in you know in, in in America, there's been a lot of discussion around stealthing, where, which is the process of someone um, sneakily taking off a condom without the consent of their partner. Whereas I feel like, you know, you, God, you that you, makes you, me shiver. You, yeah. you slather on a Wonderleaf <laughs> condom, it not going to be so easy to just like slip that thing off without anyone knowing. You know, I feel like it's like that thing is on and it's, and it's on for a reason and, and uh, it's going to take a bit of effort to get it off. So you can't, you know, it, again, just another plus of like how this can be so helpful for, for folks. I'm, I'm wondering how, how do you approach the, how do you approach the pro it's, it's not necessarily a problem from like a, from a, um, from a pregnancy or from an infection standpoint, but more from a, a the psychological problem that people have, and I'll say probably more so people in uh, largely in developed nations um, that are that are that are going. I don't. I would just rather not wear protection, and and I and I mean that from the sense of like you know obviously it would be great if you could look at your genitals and go like hey no babies this time and no infections this time okay. <laughs> We're cool. We're gonna shut that off. Perfect. Now we can do this, and we don't. And obviously, that would be obviously that would be the best, the best way to go. Yeah, right, yeah. If our junk I mean, was sentient, and we could have yeah, a conversation, you could have a conversation with it, and just tell it not, tell it not to pass on an infection, and not totally. to, and not to, and not to produce a pregnancy. But obviously, that's not the case. But I, but what I mean by yeah. that is that is that people look. Some people look at condoms and they go like a latex condom and go like, oh, a latex condom uh, doesn't feel as good. Right. As, 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 right. as not, as not though. using. And I'm not really sure what the case is with a, with a typical female condom. Cause I've never, I've never used one before. I'm, uh, I'm assuming there's some degree of that that's similar to a latex condom. Um, are, are you able to like, to like speak to that problem in general with condoms and, and then is there, how, how do you go about making a new product that, um, that approaches that issue of sense of achieving the 
like quality of sensation with a sexual experience mm. um, and still providing the protection that you that you need from infection and and unwanted pregnancies yeah uh, I think there's a very good questions um, we actually I, I've given that a lot of thoughts about uh, about the sensation part of it um, I go different direction altogether radically uh, by just making loose fitting instead of tight fitting, I make it loose fitting because with the adhesive, it doesn't matter whether it's tight or loose. By being loose, you, you're not being strangulated. Mm. And that actually improves the sensation. Right, because if it's uh, tight, then you're restricting yeah. blood flow, right? If it's like a latex condom would restrict blood flow to a certain, to a certain degree, I imagine, right? Yeah, latex condom, you understand that it's got a ring at the back, uh, down there. Yeah. And that is the ring that actually keeps the condom in place. I mean, if you remove the ring, the condom will just come off easily. Yeah. So mm -hmm. that ring actually is strangulating on the penis. Mm -hmm. So by removing the ring, and I'm, I'm relying on the adhesive to keep the uh, condom in place. And condom, you know, penis can come in different sizes and you know, it, it, it changes in sizes constantly. But by having a pouch over it, you know, I think it will solve the problem. Um, it, it doesn't... I mean, one day maybe somebody uh, may come up with the idea that, you know, we'll come up with the invention where the, the, the pouch will, will collapse and enlarge according to the size of the penis. But at this moment in time, I think um, by having a loose fitting condom is probably the best answer mm. to, to address the issues of uh, sensation. In, term, in terms of uh, the stigma around, one around educating people about a new product like this and then openly talking about uh, sexual intercourse and how to protect uh, people during that experience. Have you faced any challenges in marketing the new product? You, you mentioned Joanne, you mentioned like just getting people to sign up for the, the trial was difficult. Is it hard to um, broach this topic and promote a new product in, in, in this type of market? Absolutely. I think, I think the world is getting better at discussing sex and sexual health in an open manner. I think we, we are getting better, but there's still a lot of work to be done. Um, certainly in more conservative countries, and certainly Malaysia is one of them, um, this has been a particular issue. I think the, gov um, the Malaysian government actually been quite good about it's actually been brilliant in terms of supporting Wonderly throughout this whole process because um, they do recognize the need. And I don't think there's any national governing body anywhere that doesn't recognize the importance of sex and sexual health. But the culture in and of itself does make it a bit of a difficult topic to broach. People mm. think it's dirty. People think it's, you know, there's just such a stigma and connotation associated with it, which I think is really unfair. Um, so yeah, it, there's been challenges, but actually what we found is actually not being afraid of it, talking about it as openly as possible, doing what you guys do, um, to, to a much smaller degree, I imagine, but just talking about things bluntly, openly, and being mm. honest about it helps mm. break down some of those barriers. <laughs> um, and talking about it in a really pragmatic way as well. I mean, most people have sex in their lives. Most people... Uh, are sexual beings. And yeah, I think 
because it's such a shared experience most people actually eventually after they get over the giggles part of it they they do come on board did did you ever face any of that um in in your circle especially as as like someone in their late teens whose father is developing a new con a new uh sexual health tool yeah. yeah Not too bad because I'm all the way in Australia in a completely different field. Um, so I've not received much of that. Um, I do recall having to uh, being sort of not bullied, but being uh, told to do a sexual health talk to a bunch of high schoolers when I was in med school. <laughs> right. Because you're the one that would know. Your dad's <laughs> slinging condoms. You didn't know what's up. Yeah, totally. <laughs> he definitely made me do that. Um, so. But, uh, you know, I've grown up as a daughter of, the gyne- of a gynecologist. Yeah. My sexual education was him chucking me into clinic with him at the age of 12 right. yeah. for a year. I, um, um, I, I, I know, so I know that, you know, we've been talking about the unisex condom for this, for the majority of this time. And, and uh, the products that, that are available from Wonderleaf and, and uh, um, soon to be available for Wonderleaf are more than just the unisex condom. Um, there's, there's the, the Wonderleaf cap, which I believe is, is a, is a, um, a contraceptive for, for people with penises, correct? Um, and then, yes. And then, and then you, you, but you also have like flat dressing, which like, I'm looking at this, I have a lot of tattoos and, and adhesive dressings are really great for post tattoo care. I'm looking at this going like, maybe I'll, maybe I should get some of that flat dressing for future (laughs) tattoos. But, um, there's two other things here that I'm, that I'm so curious about. There's the there's the adhesive condom catheter, which I don't I don't understand what that is, and then and then the natural semen collector. Can you can you walk us through what those two products are and and um, why someone might might need a, an adhesive condom catheter and or a a natural semen collector? Right. Um, yeah. If you look at the design of uh, one lady is that um, the adhesive is in the growing area. And the, and the pouch is on the penis, right? Mm-hmm. Or in the vagina. So if you make it smaller, then it can be a, a, a wonderful cap. That means it only stays, the adhesive the, the area actually stays on the shelf of the penis. Mm-hmm. Then you make it even smaller for the sake of better sensation. You can just reduce it to, to be a grand chill. That means it only covers grand. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just the glands. So yeah. we call it uh, con- semen collector. Um, yeah, sorry, it's called grand sheath. I mean, if you Google it, then you, you know that uh, there are something like galactic cap uh, in, in the market. Uh, it's not in the market. It's not registered yet. And uh, there's called GIF tip, um, another 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 covering that, that's only meant for the urethra. So it's a slap uh, a, a covering onto the grand penis. Right. Right. But one day is different. We just the, the chill part is we just reduce the size. I mean, for me, it's easy because we've got all the the factory is there to to we just change the mold and we can make it smaller. Sure. So it, it only covers the tip of the penis, the glands only. So we call it a semen collector. We can't call it a condom because the size is not right. Condom by definition is to cover the whole shaft. Ah, uh, okay. So it's so, literally <clears> just <throat> made to to catch the semen in order to prevent, to prevent pregnancy or, or, or I guess maybe right. to prevent a yeah. mess, uh, yeah. depending on where you are. Well, you're to, you are prevent sexually transmitted infections to a certain extent because sure, sure. semen is, is, can, can be infective as well. Sure. So yeah, it only covers the tip of the, of the penis. 
So by, I mean, the one thing leads to another. Uh, we notice that, you know, uh, when man is incontinent or where they're bedridden, they very often they're catheterized. And yeah. catheterization of the urinary, uh, uh, also the urine, is quite traumatic. So there's such a thing called condom catheter in the market, which is, oh. which is very thick. You roll it on, and the, the, the other side, you can connect it to a, a tube where you can direct the uh, urine to a urine bag. Oh, wow. Yeah, cool. right. So, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Condom texture, yeah. Um, but ours is different in the sense that um, ours is pretty urethane, it's breathable, it's more comfortable. So all that we did was to attach a connector to the um, microdome, the, the semen collector. Then you can direct the, the urine to, to the bag. Oh. Just, so you know, literally not needing, not requiring the, the like catheter to be inserted? Yes. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yes and no. So okay. we'll qualify that statement slightly. Sure. Um, so that is completely correct, obviously, uh, when he's talking through that, that process. So working in a hospital, obviously, we, we use catheters plenty. Um, yeah, I've had one. Fun time. You've had one. Yeah, yeah. Joy. What apparently one of the more unpleasant things that we put patients through, unfortunately. Yeah, most certainly, yeah. Having it removed was pro. I mean, I got it when I was asleep, and then and then and then I got it removed when I was awake. awake. Yeah. And and having it removed, boy howdy, was that not great? I, I can't. I'm putting it in is worse. Like apparently, getting it in is definitely the more unpleasant experience of the two. I'm help. sure it is. Uh, <laughs> thankfully, I was not on this planet. I was uh, I was in La La Land, but getting it removed, holy smokes! I would rather not experience that again. Uh, but we put in urinary catheters for a, a multitude of reasons. Mm -hmm. Most commonly because um, patients asleep, they're unconscious, and you know, people urinate. So that, that's sort of where the Wonderleaf, the uh, catheter comes in. However, if, if patients are, are going into urinary retention, so that, you know, they've got a big prostate gland, which obviously I, I see mm. more on that side, mainly from prostate cancer patients that, um, you know, if they've got a big prostate gland or if they've got cancer that has resulted in a very stiff bladder, they, they can't urinate. That's a whole right. different thing. So Wonderleaf, <clears throat> catheters won't work for that right um, because that would require the catheter to actually go in and like withdraw the correct urine, right? yeah. yeah oh that, I, that is a that i mean so th that is i was in so i'm just i'm just i'm fascinated by that product because of because of the difference between Jer you and i jeremy and our experiences i was in a, i was in the hospital and was they wanted to give me a catheter because i <clears throat> um, because I, um, because I was having trouble urinating cause I had just been hit by a car and I was in a, in a state of shock and they were basically saying, Hey, if you don't pee soon, like we got to put a yeah, catheter in. Yeah. And so in that scenario, yes, you'd need the catheter going right into your bladder. But, um, you know, for the, I was in the hospital for the next like three days. I mean, I couldn't move really at all. And, and urinating in a, uh, urinating period in moving period was horrific and but having this having this 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 condom catheter would allow you to just lay there right because i had a broken i had a broken you, pelvis so i was yeah. i would have to i would have to roll over yeah. on, a, on my broken pelvis mm -hmm. and try to pee into yeah. a into a a, a, a uh, what do they call it 
a pan, a bed pan. 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 And this would have been an incredible product to have where I wouldn't have to move and I, I wouldn't have to move. And I also wouldn't have needed the, the, the traumatizing experience of having the catheter inserted and and, yeah. and for me, for me, this would have been a great product because I love long road trips yeah. and I yeah. hate yeah. stopping to have to pee. So that is yeah. actually actually it would be amazing. I would actually truck <laughs> drivers around the world would be rejoiced. They wouldn't have to pay, they wouldn't have to like toss their piss jugs out the window. I anymore. actually love I I drink an excessive amount of water and it it yeah. actually it actually drives me crazy how many times I disrupt my work yeah. day by going to the bathroom and, and i and i just got an oculus quest too and and i've been in vr for long periods of time and i really hate taking that headset off to go piss so having this would be just a joyous thing for me are these retail available <laughs> we've never thought of that market before but there are so there are so many untapped markets for this product so, so i have i have to, I, we're coming up to time here but i got i got two questions left and uh i guess i'll i'll start the first First one with, you know, I'm on the, I'm on the wonderleaf.com website. I highly suggest people listening, go check it out. Um, it's just, it's really fascinating. You guys have a, an amazing blog as well, that there's lots of really fascinating stuff in there. But um, I went to go purchase uh, some unisex condoms and, uh, and it's it, right now it's showing that just shipping uh, to, to prov- provinces or, or, or locations in Malaysia, correct? Yes. So, so what, where, what needs to happen for Wonderleaf in order to uh, broaden its uh, its availability across the continent or ac- across the globe? Like, what what is um, what sort of hoops do you need to jump through, say, in order to get Wonderleaf available to people in Canada or the United States? Uh, yeah, I, I think the the biggest problem with the uh, medical device is that uh, you need to be registered uh, in that particular country. Mm. The registration in Malaysia is being approved. That's why we can sell it in Malaysia. But, um, but uh, other countries doesn't recognize Malaysian registration. They're, they're all independent authorities. Uh, no? They have to do the assessment themselves. The assessment process and the approval process takes a long time. But uh, the bigger agencies such as FDA and CE marking, um, and, and TGA in Australia um, and Japanese, they all they have their own uh, authorities. So we have to go through every single country um, to, to see approval before we can actually sell it to the, those countries. I mean, there may be people who, who, who want to buy from us and, and ship it to their relative elsewhere that is beyond our control. Mm. Um, but as far as we are concerned, we have to get, get it registered in Canada, for example, in order to sell it to you directly. Is is the process expensive, or is it really just bureaucratic and and red tape and and just kind of like time and and paperwork? It's both. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Fair enough. It, it's it's interesting how like I I understand the purpose of of that bureaucratic process, but also it it's a bummer when there's like a great yeah. product out there yeah, that totally. could benefit. Uh, a Gamers, huge swath of people, truckers alike, truckers, people on road trips. Yeah, I wish people can treat uh, sexually transmitted diseases and unintended pregnancies uh, like like COVID. You know, yeah, yeah. like a global issue that, that needs the, to be taken care of. Use emergency, you know, uh, mm-hmm. routing and just pass it through without mm-hmm. much clinical trials. Yeah, yeah, my yeah. my final yeah. my my final question was, um, and I mean, I think the one that everyone's dying to know is. Uh, have you considered uh, flavored Wanda Leaf 
uh, contraception. Absolutely. You know, <laughs> we, right. you know, the chill portion can be very, you can be very creative with the chill portion to put on the groin. Totally, you can yeah. Over, you can print tattoos over it. You know. Oh, cool. That's Sense. Yeah, you mean yeah. The, the shield portion that covers up the the growing area, you know, that, that can be creative in different colors and but that that is that is this that is that will be the least of my issues probably. Sure, but, but probably sure, not, to, right. not to the consumers, but yeah, I mean, uh, one of these days maybe you know, you wear different clothing, different colors, you know, one that it can comes in all forms really. Yeah, not just flavor. No. Well, cool. uh, I gotta say, John and uh, Joanne, this has been such a pleasure to sit down and talk to you about this product. That fingers crossed, one day will be something that is available globally. Um, I think that honestly, you've 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 stepped into a market and created something that is just a simple concept that takes care of so many issues that are present for people around the world. And uh, I'm just, I'm really elated that we've had an opportunity to speak with the two of you so, so far away geographically from where we are right now. Um, Jeremy uh, doesn't even, I, we tried to explain the time change to Jeremy <laughs> and he didn't even. I really did I, fuck it I, up. I, I, I said, I, I said, Jeremy, it's tomorrow there. <laughs> and and he was, he said, I did. he said, no, I did say that. I it did. can't be tomorrow. <laughs> really, no, no, I did say, I was like, yep, like January 8th sounds good. And I put January 8th as if we, we were all January 8th. Not considering that you guys are living in the future, and it's January. 9th. I explained that I explained the time difference in in Asia to my to my t- ten year old nephew last week, and he understands it better than you. Yeah, do. yeah. Well, I turned thirty four, and I still don't know how to live. Uh, John, Joanne, thank you so much. We really appreciate the time you took today, and uh, and we're looking forward to Wonderleaf taking over the world. Thank you very much thank for you. having us. It was great. That is it for today. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. If you like what you heard, make sure that you share our podcast with your friends. We love those extra ears. Sick Boy Podcast is a Snack Labs production. It is produced by myself, Jeremy Saunders, Taylor McGilvery, Brian Stever, and Lauren Sankey. Sound design is coming to you from Donovan the Meerkat Morgan. The music of the show is from our friend Rich O'Coin. And Sick Boy Podcast is managed by Jeffrey Lonis. That is it for today. I'm Brian. I'm Taylor. And I'm Jeremy. And this is Sick Boy. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.